0: Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you overcome your inner critical voice. I'll also be interviewing author and executive coach, Susan Peppercorn, who's going to be reviewing her new book, Ditch Your Inner Critic at Work, Evidence-Based Strategies to Thrive in Your Career. This book will help you find your own fulfillment in your career. For more information about Susan, please visit positiveworkplacepartners.com. You may also purchase Susan's book at Amazon or in the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com. your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Overcoming your critical inner voice. You're going to be hearing an amazing interview with Susan Peppercorn, who's going to talk with you about how to silence your own inner critic, specifically at work. I wanted to give you just a little bit of a psychological background to kind of augment Susan's interview. As children, we have so many experiences that really shape and define who we are. In elementary or grammar school, we would often compare ourselves to our peers. We would automatically determine who was better at something, and often we would feel less than. And unfortunately, as we grew older and older, we would continue to compare ourselves to others. And if we felt we were lacking in a certain area, we would often avoid that or attach some type of negative emotion to that. And then as an adult, unfortunately, that inner critical voice would continue to haunt us as we try new experiences or put ourselves in a position where we may be less than other people. One of the great things about Lifeology is we all are linked together by our emotions. We all experience the same emotions. Now, the situations in which they're experienced may be different, but all of our emotions are the same. We all experience embarrassment, shame, disappointment, low self-esteem, and the list goes on and on. So today I really want to normalize all that you're experiencing. Often we have this ideal expectation or this ideal version of who we want to become. And every time we review that ideal expectation, we're always lacking. The reality is nobody's ever going to attain this ideal expectation. So your critical voice is really that voice of that ideal version of yourself. And if we know that we're never going to attain it, why do we allow our inner critical voice to continually influence what we do and what we don't do? Another way to tackle the ideal self is look at it on a spectrum. The ideal self is the far side of the spectrum and you yourself, your realistic self, is someone Somewhere in the middle, there's a lot of wonderful talents that you possess. And so you have confidence in that area. When we can embrace all areas of our personality, all areas of our skill set, it helps really supplement those areas that we don't feel too comfortable in. We are going to thrive in so many areas of our life, but those areas that are not the quote unquote prettiest or most benevolent are part of who we are. And that's the great thing about the full spectrum of emotions is we're going to experience that at all different times. So when you look at your own life, it's important to appreciate all those deficits. Are all those areas in your life which are part of the full spectrum of your personality. Many of you are incredibly benevolent in your friend group and would do so many things for people. But when certain people cross you, then all of a sudden that benevolence is gone. Once again, that's part of the full spectrum of who you are. So it's important to recognize there are blessings and burdens to everything we have in life. So if we continually allow those inner critical voices who are on one side of the spectrum to always talk about us or always influence what we do, we're not looking at the full spectrum of who you are. Remember, on a coin, there are two sides. And if you only focus on one side of the coin, you're not giving it its full weight and full value. If you want to improve in areas of life, by all means do so, but do it for the right reasons. Do it because it gives you a sense of fulfillment, not because you feel pressured into doing that. So today's lesson is just simply to normalize what you're feeling. We all feel the same way. We all feel like a failure at times. We all feel as if we're not good enough. But when you look at the full spectrum of your personality, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, that makes up the amazing person that you are. And we're all pretty good people. So today, silence that inner critical voice and be true to who you are. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the academy entitled Spirit-Mind-Body, The Perfect Triad. This non-religious course helps you understand how your intuition, or rather your gut, your logic, and your body all work together to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Enroll in the class today. Susan Peppercorn is an executive coach who enables mid and senior level professionals to find their next best career step. Frequently quoted in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Harvard Business Review, Glassdoor, U.S. World News, and World Report are some of the publications that have tapped her for career advice. She is also the author of the new book, Ditch Your Inner Critic at Work, Evidence-Based Strategies to Thrive in Your Career. A certified positive psychology coach, Susan is accredited by the International Coaching Federation and is an executive mentor for Healthcare Business Women's Association. Welcome to my show, Susan.
1: Thank you so much, James. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Yes, I'm so excited as well. That was quite a mouthful for me to read. You have so many credentials. So it's such an honor for you to join with us today
1: thank you
0: so we're gonna be talking today about your amazing new book "Ditch your inner critic at work evidence-based strategies to thrive in your career but before we get started I'd like to get a little bit of your backstory your origin story so my listeners understand just a little bit more about you and then we'll definitely jump into the book so how did you get into this career as far as uh, coaching and to helping mid and senior level professionals find their way
1: well this career is actually my fourth
0: oh my goodness okay yes.
1: <laughs> and um, uh one of the reasons for the book, amongst others, is that I was miserable in my career mm, sure. that I was in the longest. So um, the bulk of my career was in high tech sales and marketing. Oh goodness, okay. And uh, <laughs> very <laughs> different than what I'm doing today. Yes,
0: it is. <laughs>
1: um, and um, I, as I said, I I was really miserable in that. I didn't know how to get out. I didn't think I could get out. Mm-hmm. But. Um, the The company I was with was purchased. And when that happened, I was able to take a a severance package and get out and then figure out what I really wanted to do. So uh, that's what got me here today.
0: You know, it's interesting. I'm sure at that moment when uh, you you got your severance package, I'm sure you're thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But it's so interesting because at those moments, often when we're pushed out of something, it's often a beautiful gift we're given because we more than likely wouldn't have done it had we not been pushed or forced out in some ways
1: that's true. And you, you really have to face that situation mm-hmm. head on, um, in order to deal with it. And that's what happened to me. I really did not know what I wanted yeah. to do. And I took some, you know, intermediate steps that got me to this point of, um, becoming a coach, but, um, I needed to get out of my comfort zone and, uh, as miserable as my comfort zone was, I still needed to get out of it.
0: I often call those uh, that a dysfunctional comfort, you know, it's something (laughs) that we're just used to it and it's the status quo and it's the norm, but it's very dysfunctional and it's very uncomfortable. It's really not healthy.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: So in your book itself, Ditch Your Inner Critic at Work, Evidence-Based Strategies to Thrive in Your Career, what was the need for this? I mean, I'm sure with your, going into your fourth career, you've seen so many different types of things. So when you looked at your peers, I'm sure you were like, wow, there's something here that I can help them with. So what was, your, what was the, the reason or the impetus for this book?
1: The primary impetus was what I was seeing in my clients. Mm Now, as you mentioned, I primarily coach executives um, who are in career transition or are thinking about making a career transition. And I noticed the negative stories that they tell themselves you know, I'm not good enough, I don't have this degree, um, I didn't graduate from the right school, and therefore I won't be able to succeed. And I, I talk about many of these stories in my book. And I said, wait a minute, there's a there's something here mm-hmm. that needs to be talked about because people um that I coach and I, you know, you may have seen similar things, they just assume these stories to be the sure. truth sure. when they're not. And um, because I have a background in positive psychology, what I tried to do is to really look at the research that most people don't know about because Mm -hmm. it's academic journals Mm -hmm. and to look at it and um, actually turn it into something that was accessible by you know, by anyone. And, um, you know, I wanted this to be more than just a self-help book. And so that's what I was striving to do.
0: And that's wonderful. And I can't wait for my listeners to purchase this book. But, you know, it's it's interesting. So many times whether you're mid or senior level in your, in your career, many times the roles we play in life for many of us really define who we are. It defines our worth. It defines our value. And then when we compare ourselves to other people, we'll always be lacking because there is someone yeah. who's going to have more, more experience or more education than us or w- whatever it may be. And that's really one of the most difficult things is because we are always chasing that dangling carrot and we'll never attain it. We'll never reach it because once again, we cannot compare ourselves to other people.
1: Uh, That's absolutely true, and you know, comparison is is normal. It's part Mm -hmm. of the human condition, but but when it becomes too, you know, when it when it overwhelms us, when it's something that we're doing all the time, and you know, we're trying to seek perfection, which is an unattainable goal. It's not the same as excellence.
0: Sure. Oh, that's a good point. That's
1: when that's when those comparisons really get in the way, because you might see somebody who's superficially, you know, on the surface you know, looks like they're doing everything perfectly and well, and they're happy and they're successful, but you don't really know what's going Mm -hmm. on in their lives.
0: Sure. Because I really like that point you made as far as there's a difference between excellence and perfection. I think that's a very poignant statement that we can all just reflect on that because that's, that's very true. We can be excellent in what we do, but it doesn't mean it's perfection. It's it's really putting your your all into something at whatever level it is, but that's excellent for you. And so that's really more of a personal comparison as opposed to the comparison to our peers or to other people who, like you said, may appear to have a, a quote unquote, more successful life than us. Exactly. When you look at the mid and senior level executives, what are some of the pitfalls that they're facing as far as why they're making these career transitions? Um,
1: so there are there are a number of circumstances and I'll I'll uh, share a couple with you. Sure. So um, some of the people that I work with have been laid off from their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I will say that in ninety nine percent of the cases, it was for a business decision that had absolutely nothing to do with their performance. Um, in other cases, people um, get to a point in their career where they realize they're looking for something more. Mm-hmm. Um, they may be perfect fine well respected making a lot of money but they're seeking something else and they'll come to me to help me with them figure out what that something else might look like and that's usually about finding greater meaning Mm -hmm. um in what they're doing than just the paycheck or the
0: title it's it's interesting so many people define their their value and their worth even as far as how much money they make um one of the i'm assuming this is your expertise not mine and that most people, when they make a, a career change, it's more about the financial gain. How much more money am I going to be making? Because we've many of us are accustomed to a certain way of living. And so we want to offset that by obviously gaining more income. And so I'm assuming that many people, when they make that transition, is going to be because it's financially based as opposed to quality of life based.
1: And that's what gets a lot of people into trouble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not that money is not important of course it is, but what the research shows is that we rapidly adapt. If we make more money, if we get a promotion, when we buy that new car, we feel great for a few days, but then we rapidly adapt to the situation and mm-hmm. we're back at our baseline. And I think it's important to, to um, you know, to say that we're really not looking for. Um, A feeling of happiness that you know that we feel every single day, every minute of the day, because that's not attainable. What we're really looking for is satisfaction, and what brings satisfaction is not are not the external measurements like you were saying—the salary, the title, the new car, the bigger house. It's when what we do is in alignment with our values, and our interests, and our strengths that we are likely more likely to be satisfied over the long term in the work that we do. And it's not the external rewards that provide that level of happiness.
0: Now, is this something your book really talks about as well as really helping people find that that intrinsic version of satisfaction?
1: Yes, absolutely. And there are a number of exercises in the book that really focus on
0: that. Can you give us one or two examples of those? Because I definitely want people to, to start to, to visualize that. Because if they're not in a position where they are having satisfaction, they definitely need to contact you to help them work through that. But can you give us just a couple examples of how they can find that or examine that?
1: Right. So I have an exercise in the very first chapter. It's called the Suffer Sacrifice Assessment you know, again, one of the many in here. And Mm -hmm. these are either multiple choice questions, and sometimes they ask people to write something. But um, this really asks people to recognize when they uh, are very self-critical and are uh, a victim to self-doubt. So um, it asks them questions like, um... People tell me I have unrealistic expectations. Is that frequently, sometimes, rarely, or never? I tend to judge myself by how much I accomplish. Again, they have to answer that. I miss out on enjoyable events because I have too much work to do. When I make a mistake, I tend to replay what I did wrong and Mm. instead of thinking about what I did well. Mm -hmm. And the questions go on like this. And, and, you know, the guidance that I give the reader is that if they chose the answer frequently for most of these questions, then they are probably limiting themselves and their career because of very purist and perfectionistic tendencies. Mm.
0: Yes, and I can hear how some of your questions are... Um, as far as what are, you, um, what are you focusing as far as the things you 've done incorrectly or in, what you feel you didn 't do well versus what, what did you do well, which is really a bent on the positive psychology that you are certified in as well
1: exactly,
0: yeah, which is so important because it 's so easy for us to really focus on what we perceive as negative negative. and one one thing I, as a as a as a psychotherapist, I really help people understand this as well is when we look at something from a, a positive standpoint we we feel it and then we move on, whereas we look at something where we feel negative about it, we use quote unquote more of our brain power. And I don't even mean that literally, but in the mm-hmm. sense of we process things, we review it, we review it and review it ad nauseum. We, we use more of our, our sense, our, our memory or our thoughts and, and we spend more time on something as opposed to something we really enjoy. So when you look at the different aspects of that, that's why people really focus on the negative. What they typically state is research, or research states that it's about 6.2 times of positive things you need to do To counteract a negative. And that says a lot. And so when we, because that is something we unfortunately focus so much on. And so that's really one way to counteract that is to focus on what we perceive to be more positive. But the reality is the more often we can practice that positive version of something or healthier version, I should say, the more that's what we focus on, you know, (laughs) and that is something that many people really struggle with.
1: Yes, they do. And and I just want to say to you that, you know, I, I devote a chapter in here to The value of negative emotions. So, Mm -hmm. um, I I think neither you nor I are saying that we only have to uh, focus on the positive. That's not the case. Correct. There is a purpose for negative emotions. They really give us a lot of information. But when we get mired in them, and that's Mm -hmm. all we feel, or that's all we see, that's when it becomes problematic. There has to be a balance. And you're exactly right in what you said about you know, needing at least three times, you need to hear at least three positive things for every negative kind of thing you take mm-hmm. in because the brain really focuses on the negative.
0: Exactly. And that's one thing, you know, what I love about just the human expression itself is we have a whole myriad, of, a whole exp- spectrum of emotions, and emotions are there to, um, wh- the way it works in, in psychology, as far as is your perception determines what you feel, determines what you do. And so the whole aspect of of the emotions is to really give us, like you said, clues of what we're, what we're perceiving and what we do with it. An emotion was never meant to be permanent. It was meant to be moment by moment, situational. But like you said, many people create a lifestyle out of that, and that's the same type of thing with events that they experience. If an event happens, we often conceptualize that or make a snapshot of that time and say, that's who we are. And that's never mm-hmm. who we we're meant to be. It was just simply a snapshot in time. It's the same thing with emotions as well.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a good way to put it.
0: Well, thank you. With this book itself, um, with many of the people who are reading it, how is it really transforming their lives? I mean, I imagine it's doing so much for them.
1: Well, it's interesting that you asked that question because, um, this is the first book that I, I written and it was a year's long process. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's a solitary, um, Uh, writing a book is very solitary so I really did not know how it was going to land but what was interesting is that when people did read it the feedback that I got really floored me so just to give you an example one person um, who was a a former client of mine um, said that his biggest issue was confidence and Mm. he this although he was very accomplished and he said after he read the first half of the book he was able to um, allow his inner critic to go away, to dismiss it. And suddenly he started to get job opportunities that he didn't have before because he was presenting himself differently. Someone else told me that Yeah, it was amazing. Um, someone else told me that after they read the book, they knew why they were miserable in their job for nine years. Mm. Imagine staying in a job for nine years.
0: Wow. Yeah. Being miserable with that. Sure.
1: Right. And so that's some of the feedback another person told me they would have left their job three years earlier had they read my book. At wow. That.
0: Susan, so, that's amazing. I mean, just to be able to read that and to be able to impart and help so many people just really find their, their passion and just really help them focus on what their, what their next steps are. I mean, that's got to be very fulfilling for you as well.
1: It is very fulfilling for me. And um, it, was, it was really surprising because, as I said, I really did not know... But, uh, you know, I have 70 reviews of the book and, you know, I'm amazed every day at what people (laughs) have written about
0: it. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. What advice would you give those senior to mid-level executives listening to this show right now?
1: The best advice I think I could give someone who who does suffer with a strong internal critic or a tendency toward perfectionism is not to do everything yourself. Mm. I think people who worry that they're not good enough, they may be found out as a fraud, um, they're the ones that try to do things themselves because they're afraid that people might uncover who they really are, and they might oh, not be as... And so I, I you know, I, I devote a whole section in the book, actually, on developing resources. You know, building a personal board of directors is one option. Oh, you know, interesting. Yeah, getting, it, getting outside perspective from people who know you well, who can counter that uh, that negative voice in your head is really very helpful. And that can be done in a number of ways, but just putting together a group of trusted uh, colleagues or former colleagues uh, or friends um, can be really helpful so the biggest piece of advice is um, acknowledge what you don't know um, look at failure as a learning experience rather mm-hmm. than some something horrible and uh, and tap other people for their advice.
0: I really like that. I think that's such a, that's, I mean, it's very simple as far as the, the ability to do that, but I think it's very profound. I I do think you're right. Many people do have that feelings of I'm not good enough, or I'm a fraud. Um, and those types of feelings can be very, very pervasive. And in that, and when that happens, of course, it does really stunt us. And we're because, and in some ways we almost are holding ourselves blackmail, you know, that emotional blackmail of, I can't tell anybody this, or I, I, what if they find out about this? And it, it takes so much of our energy to hold on to that. And when you really have your emotions and thoughts split from this, the inner critic versus the person you're, you want to be, you're not working as a team. And when you do hold yourself emotionally blackmail like that, it, it is very limiting and unfortunately, we'll never be truly satisfied in our life. I totally agree. What's next for you? With, with You wrote your first book. Um, I'm assuming that you're going to be obviously writing a whole many more books as well. So what's next for Susan Peppercorn?
1: Um, what I'd like to do next, James, is I'd like to turn the book into a course. Oh. Because I think that when people have, as I was just saying, the support of others, mm-hmm. um, they can go forward they can go further faster. And although I think the book can be really helpful, I think if people do it collectively in a course, um, they'll get more out of it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm looking at as a next step.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And I think it really normalizes that as well, because I think many of us don't realize that there's so many people that feel the same way that we do. And if we could just shed light on that, we'd be like, oh, you feel that way too? And with that normalization, it really helps us say, ah, well, then it's not so bad. I can really talk to someone about this. I can really get this off my chest. And that feeling of liberation is so powerful that there's just that sense of joy and sense of fulfillment that one has that they can literally transcend whatever glass ceiling they've had in their life
1: exactly
0: that's wonderful so susan if my listeners would like to find out more information about you and where they may purchase this amazing book ditch your inner critic at work evidence-based strategies to thrive in your career where would they find this information online
1: so they can find the book on amazon uh they can search by name or they can search by my name and it's there and there's a kindle version there's a a hard copy version Um, they can also find me on all social media platforms i have my own website which is Positive Workplace Partners, um, as one word, Positive Workplace Partners. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, at Susan Peppercorn, Instagram and Facebook. So your listeners are more than welcome to reach out to me in any of those places.
0: Excellent. Well, listeners, I really hope you do that. Susan is a fountain of knowledge and information. So hopefully you will reach out to her. But also if you're not able to find her book, Ditch Your Inner Critic at Work, Evidence-Based Strategies to Thrive in Your Career on Amazon, just simply go to my website in the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com and you can purchase there directly as well. Susan, thank you once again for joining with us. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your wisdom. We've really enjoyed this topic and all you have to say today.
1: Thanks, James. I really appreciate the opportunity.